Hey mama, stop what you're doing right now and join my birth classes. It is open enrollment and it's a special one because we have added some extra new bonuses just for you. And hint, hint, don't forget that insurance may reimburse you and you can also use your HSA or your FSA to pay for birth classes. So it's a no brainer. If you join this week, you're gonna get not only a huge discount by using the code BIRTHQUEEN, all in caps, cause you know you are, but you're also going to get six or seven bonuses. Bonus number one, you're gonna get 30 days free in my mama membership, which is where all the magic is happening. After 30 days, you can leave us if you want, boo hoo. Or you can stay with us for 19 a month. And some of my mamas stay with me for years, if that tells you anything. You're also gonna get bonus number two, which is my newborn academy. Bonus three, the birth coach class. Bonus four, the postpartum recovery roadmap class, along with some other bonuses. And if you join by Friday night at midnight, you're gonna get my birthing waves, which is a brand new course and it's guided meditations for labor and beyond. Brand spanky new and I'm so excited to welcome you in. Don't forget, we hang out with all of our students every Wednesday. We have a pregnancy hangout via Zoom where you get to see my face and my doulas every single Wednesday. I'll see you on the inside. Go to labornursemama.com forward slash the word calm, C-A-L-M, labornursemama.com forward slash calm. I'll see you on the inside. My name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven and labor and delivery nurse who took her expertise in the labor room and turned it into an online one-stop shop for mamas looking for powerful education and support. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15 plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby and write the birth story of your dreams. So hit subscribe and let's replace your anxiety and fear with complete confidence. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Hey, mamas. So today's guest is super special to me. This is one of my students from the VBAC lab and also newly one of our team members inside of our private mama membership community called Mama Society. So take a moment and welcome Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. How are you today? Hello, Trish. I'm good. Thanks for having me. We are so excited to have you. I have been looking forward to this podcast interview because you are so near and dear to my heart. So for those of you guys who are new to us around here, one of the perks of being one of the mamas in my membership or one of my students is that we meet weekly on what we lovingly refer to as our happy hours. And Rebecca has been coming to the VBAC happy hour for how long? Like how long has it been? Since I was, I think 12 weeks and I knew about it a couple of years ago when you first started, probably when my sister sent it. And I wish I would have just come when I was trying to conceive. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it when you guys join when you're not pregnant yet, because then I get you even longer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so exciting. So she said she's been coming to happy hour since she was 12 weeks pregnant. And how old is the baby now? Over three months. Oh, it's so exciting. So look at that. That's a long time that you've been committed to our happy. It's got to be a year yes. now, I would say. Oh, I love it. And I remember when you first came, because if you remember, and this is funny because for you guys listening, this plays into Rebecca's new role inside of the community because when she started coming and she was sharing her wisdom and talking, we really connected because both of us are so 
passionate about mindset and about just that whole body, whole mind approach when it comes to all aspects of life. And I would constantly say, oh my gosh, Rebecca, I swear you are just like my husband. You sound like my husband. What in the world? So anyway, we got off on a tangent. So we're going to go ahead today, you guys, and share Rebecca's birth story. And I'm so excited because I get to know my students, my members so intimately. I can laugh when I think about Rebecca's journey because I watched it from the beginning all the way to the end. And I watched her really become so solid and strong and empowered and confident in really advocating for what she wanted in her VBAC journey. So for those of you guys who are like, what is a VBAC? Let me just say, because I get this question all the time, a VBAC is a vaginal birth after a cesarean. So I'm going to just give the floor over to Rebecca because we're going to be sharing her birth journey today. And it would be really ridiculous of us if we didn't go back and start with Taylor's birth, which is her first child. And I'm going to let her just briefly tell you guys like a little bit about Taylor's birth and how that led her to the VBAC lab, which is my birth course for VBAC mamas. So Taylor is now 11 years old. They're almost exactly 11 years apart, which is crazy. But back then I basically just really let my midwives lead me. i thought that since I got a midwife, they were better than OB. They have more holistic approach, which I was all about. And that was a mistake because I did not educate myself as much as I should have, especially now looking back. And I ended up going into the hospital. My water broke about midnight the day or two before I was actually due. And I called my midwife. She's like, you can hang out just to see how everything goes. Meet me at the hospital around 7 a.m. I'm like, okay, at this time, there's no other kids in the house. It's very dark. We still had dogs, but they're very well behaved. I was able to get in the tub. It was really dark. I just had a really nice laboring time. Got to the hospital and I was seven centimeters dilated, 90% of face. They're like, oh my gosh, you're going to have this baby by noon. I'm like, okay, let's have this baby by noon. And we get into the room and basically everything stalled. And after I don't know how many hours of being in labor, my midwife, who I have let blindly guide me this whole time, I also let her talk me into getting an epidural. And I really didn't. I really fought it at first because I was like, no, I don't want to. And I was like crying. And I'm like, I really do not want to have an epidural. That was not part of my birth plan. And even at that time, I had bullet points. I knew my birth plan was just like birth wishes. And so it didn't have to go exactly as planned. But that was something that's really important to me. And, but I obliged because I was like, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe it will relax me and allow me to let these contractions do their job and allow baby to come down as you're telling me and promising me it will. And that didn't happen. I ended up reversing. And many hours later though, I did finally get to 10 centimeters and they're like, okay, it's time to push. And I'm like, do what? How do I push? Because I can't feel a dang thing. They let me push for two hours, which now I know was not really enough time anyway to push and basically said, nothing's happening. The baby's not really coming. We should just do a C-section. And again, I'm like, the client's not what I wanted, but I agreed because at this point it had been over 24 hours that I was in labor. And I figured just let this baby come out as she will. Because obviously it's not going to happen any other way because that's what they're thinking. And I'm already feeling defeated anyway. And it wasn't an emergency. They still made me wait like an hour and a half. (laughs) And at that point, I'm like, just take her out already. But anyhow, we had the C-section. It was, I was so scared laying on the table. I remember shaking really like uncontrollably looking at my husband. Is this normal? I don't know. It was just really bizarre feeling the whole thing. A lot of it, I don't remember after. I do remember one beautiful moment though that I will say when they took her out and they put her above the shield, the sheet there, and I could see her big blue eyes and her dark black hair. And I just sobbed. Like, that was probably the, the one special moment I had. And then I don't remember when I got to see her again, I would just remember it was just such a fog and a daze. And all was well. She was, I was pretty much healthy. But a week later, I had a dehiscence. And so I thought I was bleeding to death because I am a health professional. I'm like, we have five liters of blood. That's definitely two. I'm a goner. <laughs> and it was just the fluid coming out. And I go to the hospital. They had no idea what they were doing. And it was an issue. But then I actually went back to my original hospital and they stitched me up within seconds, gave me some more pain pills and said, go on about your way. It took 
forever to get pregnant again because I think I was so scared. And I was one who was like, at least I'm healthy. The baby's healthy. Although really, when I look back, I really wasn't that healthy because I let my body go. I really let myself go. I was in denial that I even experienced a traumatic birth because when you compare yourself to other people and what's traumatic, it wasn't an emergency. There wasn't this huge thing. It was just traumatic because of the way I felt about it. So it took me a long time to come to terms with that in itself and then to be basically be okay with having another baby or having another pregnancy really I wanted another baby I just realized I didn't want to get pregnant because I didn't want to go through all that again and feeling worthless and feeling like my body had failed me just feeling like maybe I can't do this um, I had a lot of growing and healing to do and we didn't try right away we did want to wait a few years anyway so I wasn't trying the whole 11 years to get pregnant technically 10 years or so but it was a good five to seven years seven years is when we really started and we were like back and forth for a few years and then really tried harder after that. So I'm listening to you and I know you so well now and I know that you could pretty much spit out everything that I teach you guys on the inside. So for those of you guys listening, like I have my birth course and anyone is ever welcome to take the birth course. And I have all the things laid out in the birth course that will empower you for your birth. But if you take that extra step and join the mama membership and you come to the weekly happy hours, then I can really get real and say the things that I can't just blanket say to everyone if I don't know your individual case. Now, Rebecca, on the other hand, has spent a lot of time with me. So I have a couple questions just about Taylor's birth because I know you so and I know all of you guys and how I really have gotten into the mind of women who have experienced birth trauma. And I hear you say you were struggling with those thoughts of my body failed me. At what point in your journey do you feel like you realized your team you. That was probably in the last couple years. It was really all that I thought it was me. And I still had some negative feelings towards that particular midwife. I really was like, God, I wish I did not have her. And I look back like, why did I let her talk me into it? And it was like the one person that I didn't really have a good vibe with when I saw the multiple midwives and it was the one that I'm like, I really didn't want Then I had her, but I think it took a while. I think I blame myself mostly because no matter kind of feel like no matter who it is, no matter what I should be strong enough. And I should always do that because in my past, I've always had to stand up for myself and I felt like I was always alone. So no matter what, like anything happened was all on me anyway. And so I think I took my childhood trauma into that experience of not wanting to blame them, blaming myself more. Mm -hmm. I really came down to about, you know, what? actually it's, it's super important who you surround yourself with and your care team, because ultimately they're part of the journey and they're part of your story. Yeah, I agree. And even just listening to your story again, because I've obviously heard it, I feel like there's some key pivotal points that the Rebecca you are now with the education you have now and the strength you have now and your willingness to stand up because you guys, when you hear her current birth story, you'll know what I'm talking about because she definitely had no qualms to stand up for herself. I just think that's where the power comes from because it's not necessarily that you have to know everything or you have to be a birth expert like I am. It's just knowing enough to know when to say, hold up, let me ask from some more clarifying questions. Let me do a little research. Let me not just blindly say, okay. I think that's the power. And you definitely, Absolutely. definitely had that this time. So now you are pregnant again and your sister has already told you about this crazy woman on the internet called Labor Nurse Mama who advocates for VBAC mamas. And how did you end up signing up for the VBAC lab? Every single thing happens exactly as it should. You know, even here, I'll tell you this real quick too. Even if I had gotten pregnant before, you, like, this wasn't even available. Like you weren't even doing this when I was even originally trying to conceive. So I still am okay with the timing issue. But I got an email. I was constantly getting your emails for a while. And the day that I took my pregnancy test, 
and it came back positive, which I was shocked. I wasn't even expecting. It was the first pregnancy test I had taken in so many years that I really did not have any feelings about it at all. Like I didn't think it was going to be positive. I was like so indifferent that I was shocked when it said it was positive. And I'm going, I'm going to the Y at that time. And I was, I'm still actually go to the Y in the fall because it helps me get my cardio in when it's cold. But anyway, I'm on the treadmill or the elliptical machine and I get your email. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I just signed up for the class and it was like a free workshop that you were offering. And I think it was offered like either that day or the next day or something. And I was listening to it while I was getting my nails done. I think I've never heard this part of the story. (laughs) Yes, that's when I was like, should have joined. And I was like, okay, I'm too early. It's my thought. I'm too early. I'll join next time. So that's why I joined at probably 12 weeks. Um. No, I forget that. <laughs> oh, I was just wondering what, like, when, what brought you to signing up for the VBAC lab? Oh, that I was pregnant. Yeah. That I found I was pregnant. And so I was like, I'm signing up then because now I am, I need this. But now being in it, I think I should have joined early. Anyone who has had a VBAC, scared maybe to had a C-section. You know, go through it. Yes, had a C-section. Who wants the VBAC? They should just join now because there's so much. Um, knowledge and empowerment that you'll get to probably make you feel more relaxed about being pregnant. Because the one thing that I did have to come to terms with, which I know you actually do talk about one of your, in your course is the trauma part. And I had to accept the fact that it was a possibility I would have another C-section. So I think that did help me end up getting pregnant by relaxing and understanding that is a possibility. And if you're going to get pregnant, then that's a possibility, but it doesn't, doesn't have to be the way it was. Oh, exactly. You know? Exactly. And Rebecca can tell you guys, we have several moms that there's a core group of my VBAC mamas that come into the membership, come into the VBAC lab and consistently come to the happy hours and it's not just the moms who ended up getting their VBAC. It's also my moms who ended up having a repeat cesarean. And that's one thing that I say to all my VBAC students and to my calm labor students, because the truth of the matter is that there are cesareans for legit reasons. Go figure. They are there for legit reasons. And so just like I can't tell my calm labor students, which is everyone else that has not had a cesarean, just like I can't tell them that I can't guarantee a vaginal birth, I have to tell my VBAC moms that too. And I wish so badly I could say, oh yes, do this and this, and you're definitely going to get a VBAC. But what I can tell all of you guys is that if you follow the tips that I give you, the education that I empower you with, and you learn how to ask the right questions and how to ask them and how to listen to the answers to the body language, then you're not going to end up in the OR for some dumb ass reason that is out of convenience for someone else or just for lack of patience. That's what I can promise you will get. But I absolutely but I do agree. Like part of that promise really involves coming to the happy hours as often as you can because that's where you're really gonna cement the education with the empowerment. I was going to just add that if you hadn't, because that has been so helpful. Having the support, regardless of which way it goes, knowing that you're not alone and other people are going through the same thing and having someone affirm your thoughts because our families, our friends, even the media and some people, they don't understand that what you went through is traumatic to you and what you're going through is important to you. And so it's good to be validated in the group and to also just be able to talk and vent and share and ask the question, this is what we're going from. This is what we talked about at this appointment. I told him, okay, I'll get back to you. Hey, Trish, what do you think I should do? (laughs) Yeah. And I love the progress and the growth that you guys have because what I have found is that when you guys first start coming to happy hour and asking those questions, you're really reliant on my answer 
But as you grow and as you become more empowered and you listen to the other students and you see how they handled it, I can almost sit back with some of you guys and you circle around to the right answer on your own. And that's when I'm like, my babies are grown. (laughs) So like, I would love for you to share specifically because I think all the students know this because we've all talked about it, but talk about in the middle of this current pregnant, well, she's not pregnant now. She has delivered, which is why we're going to share her birth story. But talk to them about the pressure you were feeling about an absurd amount of testing. This was from day one. And again, with the same midwife group, but they were all different. Most of them were different because it's been so long. They wanted me, there was one particular one who wanted me to do testing every single week, a BPP, biophysical profile and an NST non-stress test every single week, starting at 32 weeks. And I just thought that was outrageous. And I had to ask her, I had to be very point blank. Cause she was like, there's a risk because you're over 35 for stillborn. You've had COVID. So then that increases your risk. And since you have had a previous C-section, this, all this increases your risk, which I don't even think the last one is true. No, it's not. Okay. And so I was just like, I had to ask her, so are you telling me that if I come every single week, you're going to guarantee my baby is not going to die in between those weeks? Into in between like, well, tests, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, she says no. I'm like, then come on. And I ended up seeing another midwife though, who her and I worked out an agreement that she was like, we could wait till 36 weeks and just see how it goes. I'm like, okay, I like balance. I want to meet you guys in the middle. So let's do one at 32. We'll do and if that goes, depending on how that goes, we'll do one at 36. Then we'll do one at 40 if we need, or I'll have one past 40 if I end up going past 40. And that was the plan. And the next time I saw the first midwife, she'd say, you're refusing the antenatal testing. I'm like, no, I'm not refusing anything. She was so set in her ways and what she wanted for me. It was really frustrating. And it did make me as strong as I am, as much as I was able to advocate for myself, I still got a little anxious after those appointments and wondering, is this right? Did I make the right decision? And had one sleepless night. And then the next day I was like, no, Rebecca, you're going to stay focused on what you know, because you are educated, you, did you go to the schooling that she did? No, but I'm not delivering babies. All I'm doing is giving birth to one. So I don't need her education to be able to advocate for myself and my baby. So you left out a really important part that I want you to share that I feel is really powerful for the people listening is that when she said this, she told you that's what ACOG recommends, correct? Oh, yes. That... Yes. She says, I will never go against what ACOG says. And I'm like, okay, I know about ACOG. Let me go research that myself. And that's when that was before we actually had the meeting with the other midwife. And so I did look that up. And on the chart, even for age 35, there was nothing even on COVID on there. And the other things, it said individual. There was nothing about it at all that said ACOG recommended or weekly testing. For everyone, it was individualized, and I have great blood pressures. I have good weight gain, no sugar issues. It was really what they called me an ideal patient with my numbers and stuff. It's just I happened to be over 35, had COVID early in my pregnancy and a previous C section. But ACOG does not recommend that. And so that's where I do, you have to ask, and even you can ask them to print off their, can you show me some evidence of that? which I never did that because I just was like, I'm going to get my own evidence because maybe I'm just a little bit of control freak and I want to see it for myself now that they print for me. But sometimes when you ask them, hey, can you print that? They will backtrack. But when I went back to the appointment with my midwife who to do fewer testing, she went to ACOG's website, highlighted the information that I told her I pulled up from their website. And she found it herself and she copied that into my notes, into my client profile, which is another reason I was floored when my original midwife was like, you're refusing this? Mm. I'm like, no, we had an intellectual, intelligent conversation about this. Yeah. And that, so that's one of the things that I teach you guys is to question because what I've found in my history as a labor and delivery nurse and even my own pregnancies is that a lot of times providers 
and even labor nurses are not used to a patient questioning what they're saying. And some of the things, and I'm guilty of this in my own career, some of the things were just because I was told that was what it is or was supposed to be or the risk of or what have you. And shame on me, didn't do my own research, just took the word of the providers telling me what I had to do. And so one of the things for those of you guys listening that I tell my girls to do is if you are suddenly shocked by this, like Rebecca, not expecting this, and all of a sudden now they're saying, hey, we want you to come once a week for these two procedures, you're going to be at the doctor's office, you're going to have these out-of-pocket expenses, and it's because ACOG says this is what you're supposed to do. One of the things I teach the girls, which Rebecca said she didn't really need to do because she felt she could do her own research, and I want you to do that as well, but one of the things you guys can do when you're shocked by something is number one, Unless it's an emergent situation where they're saying, we need you to go to the hospital right now. What I want you to do is stop and say, okay, I hear what you're saying. Can you go print off the study you're referring to? If you're saying this is what ACOG recommends, please go print that off for me and then take it home, sit down with your partner, sit down with your support person, sit down with yourself and look at what they're showing you. And then do your own research. If you're one of my members or students, come to happy hour and we will break it down with you. And if I don't know, then I'll do research with you as well. And we're going to figure it out because sometimes there are these random studies and trials that support the way in which providers want it to go, but they aren't necessarily the best, like the ARRIVE study, which we're not going to go into right now. That's a whole podcast episode on its own. Anyway, that was a total side note. So let's fast forward to the end of your pregnancy and really share with these mamas, specifically these VBAC mamas, like what emotions were you feeling? So I was definitely nervous as it got closer. And that's why I decided that first midwife I mentioned, she's gone. I am no longer allowing her in my space. If she's there at the birth, then so be it. I'll have to deal with it. But if I have control over who I get to see over the next eight weeks, that's who I'm going to see or who I'm not going to see. And so that was first and foremost is I had to recognize that, you know what, this is causing me some undue stress which is not good for any pregnancy, let alone a VBAC who already has that extra pressure because you're told that maybe you can't do it because of your first mishap or that you already feel and you've seen yourself that maybe you can't do it because you failed once before. Um, And so I got rid of her. And then the closer I got to my due date, I was really expecting myself to go early for some reason. I thought because I was more active during this pregnancy that I would go into labor sooner. I don't know why I thought that. Maybe just because of being more active. And I didn't go um, early. I didn't go on my due date. And when I didn't go past my due date, then I started to really have to go deep because I was feeling like, am I making the right choice here? What if my baby does get bigger now? And what if this uterine rupture does happen because my uterus is expanding the things that, you know, I've been told or I have heard. And Then we had an appointment and I learned, okay, let me backtrack 38 weeks because that is actually when I learned that because of my previous uh, C-section, the hospital I was planning to deliver at would not induce me. And at this point, at 38 weeks, I really didn't care because I was planning on going next week or at least by my due date or at the latest my daughter's birthday, which was two days past my due date. And so I didn't care if they weren't going to induce me. But once it came past 40 weeks, then I was starting to question things a little bit. And every day that she wouldn't come, I would get nervous. I I woke up every morning tapping on my belly. Are you still there? Okay, good. Because this midwife, even though I'm strong and I know it's false what she says, it still triggers me that maybe it is because there's a possibility. We don't have control over anything. We We could, this roof could fall in right now. We don't have control over anything, but she kept she's feeding into those fears of mine and so every day I would pass my due date I was just more scared got more scared every day is she ever going to come do I need to schedule something because their recommendation was if she does not come at 41 weeks 
March, we need to schedule or a C-section on Sunday would be the day at 41 weeks. And I was talking to my midwife and she said, I have to tell you this because that I'm required to, but you don't have to do this. And I don't even really recommend that you do this. She's like, but we have to tell you. And so I was like, well, I'm not doing it because, and the reason I chose not to is because again, at 41 weeks, I had no swelling. My blood pressures were normal. I had no issue with blood sugar. I didn't even have everything. What came back great this time around. I didn't have low iron, like nothing that I had before that I had this time. And so everything was really good. So there was no indication. And I did have my NST and BPP at that 40 and 40 and a half week mark past the 40 weeks. Like I promised them I would, and everything was good. Baby was good. There's no reason. I just had to dig deep and just continue to have faith and continue my mantra, which was trust in your body and trust in timing. And I just kept with it and kept with it. And eventually I did deliver this baby at 41 and two days. So I thought, and when I delivered to, I thought so much about those moms who at 41 weeks would have went into the OR for no reason other than the provider says, I think this is what you should do. There's no indication that you should do this because it's harmful to you or to your baby. But I just want you to, because I just don't feel right about it. That's such BS. I think so many people who did that, and it just really saddened me, but it was a lot of fear. Like for me, you're going to have the fear. That's what I want to say to the VBAC moms. You want to have the fear. You're going to get scared and just own that, but continue to trust yourself and trust in your body because it's not like it's going to be cakewalk. It's going to be so easy and every day is going to be rainbows and butterflies. But it doesn't mean just because you're fearful that you have to give into that. I always say, don't make a judgment or decision based on fear. Use the facts that would outweigh the fear because fear is false evidence appearing real. And would you say that you had to deal with that every day at the end there? Every day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. I'm like in the Sunday and I was at 41 weeks, I was in her room bawling and it was the weirdest, like this outer body experience, especially now being in her room and thinking about back then, it felt like. She's never going to come. And I'll tell you, all the thoughts came through my mind. How am I, she doesn't come. I can't return this. This room's going to sit here for years. I'm going to be so depressed. I'm going to be, honestly, I'm thinking like the worst possible thing, crying, pleading, please come. Can you please come? Don't you want to come out and meet your family? Come on. And then I just waited. And the next day on Monday, I was over it. I said, I don't even want to talk about having this baby. I talked to my midwife that morning. We made a plan for what we were going to do. I was going to come in. And I was just going to take the midwife's brew. Tell everyone else what happens on Mondays that you are part and, of. <laughs> and the VBAC lab. And I was like, our happy hour. And I was like, you know what? I don't even want to go. I don't want to go because I just don't want to talk about this. I don't even want, I just want to not think about the baby. Am I stressing myself out? Maybe I'm thinking about it too much. Because you know? then again, I'm going, I'm putting the blame on me. You're the reason it's taken so long. But I was like, nope, I'm going. And I'm so glad that I did because like, it was so helpful. And then you affirmed all the things I was already planning on doing. We even talked about the plan going forward of what I should do if things didn't progress. And I just felt so much better because I was able to express it to other people who knew exactly what I was feeling or were going to be feeling that yeah. same way soon. Yeah. Because on our VBAC happy hour and on our Calm Labor happy hour, we have moms that are trying to conceive. We've actually had, like, I'm thinking of Sarah, who literally started coming. She joined the VBAC lab, started coming to happy hour before she was even sure if she was going to get pregnant or wanted to. She is now pregnant. But yeah, so we have students and members all over the spectrum from not even sure when they're going to start trying all the way to postpartum. And like, Gina, who's one year postpartum. So yeah, so I think it's so good to know that because when you come, and I've told you guys before, there's some Monday nights where I'm like, oh, I just really want to take off my makeup, take off my bra, get in bed and not think. And then we stay on for two hours. <laughs> I know. So, it's terrible. So here's where the story gets bumpy because I'm still salty at Rebecca because I had to find out through the grapevine that this baby came and she got her V back. I know. And it's so annoying. Okay. But I have to say, I do have star guards, which is macular degeneration. And so I can't see as well as other people. So I have certain ways I have to do things. And at that time I only could use my phone 
and that my app was not working. My messaging, I could not get in on it. And I was like, what the heck? So I was like, I think I tagged you on Instagram is how I ended up doing it. Cause I was like, I got to tell her I got, which in hindsight, because my Instagram account is so big, one of the downfalls of having hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers is that you get hundreds and hundreds of DMs a day. And I there's four of us who handle DMs. So a lot of times what happens is one of my team members, if it's not me or Taylor, they don't know, oh, this mama who's saying, I got my V back or I had my baby is someone who is on the inside track with me and then I don't get to hear it at all. So I personally found out, for those of you guys who don't know Taylor is, she is our team doula. I found out the next day when Taylor texted me and told me I was so mad. I was like, what? And then I didn't know that you're, so we have an app called Circle where our private membership and our student community resides. And unbeknownst to me, Rebecca's app was not working. And so I'm in there and I was like, what is this that I heard? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that was, that's such a perk too, like on my end being a member is that I could do that, that I could have you and Taylor. Yeah. And I couldn't, couldn't. Yeah. Now, luckily I did have an in-person doula and I, that was, oh my God, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. So the, but yeah, the perk that Rebecca's talking about is now we have our membership, which is very low cost. It's, you get a free trial for seven days, then it's 1997 a month. But if you are a calm labor student or a VBAC lab student, you get a 30 day free trial and then it's 1997 a month. However, all of my students get what we re lovingly refer to as the labor bat signal. So once you hit 37 weeks, you have this private DM group chat with me and Taylor, our team doula. So you have to make sure that your app is updated and working prior to going into <laughs> labor. Rebecca did. So Rebecca, really quickly, tell us about how your labor started. So mind you guys, she is now 41 in one day. And she is wanting to avoid the support community that we offer because she's pissed off and she's mad at her body and she's mad at the world. But she comes to happy hour and we talked about doing the midwife brew. We talked about her plan of action moving forward and she gets off the happy hour. Yes. And I decide I'm going to go to the gym that night and by the way, I had for a good two weeks this on and off labor. So I was already experiencing like lots of feelings of is this labor? Is this not labor? So like things would happen. And I would like disregard it. But I really wasn't feeling anything that day. But I will say for a couple of weeks, that was also where I was. And Which um, is when exhausting. I got the call, it is so much. When I got off the call, the great thing about being on the call is that what I was thinking, you were thinking. And so I felt so good about my decision because all the people that I cared about like their opinion, we're all on the same page. So it was really great. So I was like, all right, we got my plan. I'm going to go to the gym. When I leave the gym, I'm going to pick up this juice. The one thing I can't find anywhere else to make this midwife's brew. So I go to the gym. It's a workout that I have to modify heavily. So I decide I'm doing all kinds of side squats, lunges, all the oh, things geez. that I had, I've been doing for two weeks and hadn't done a dang thing. And so tons of squats, tons of that. Then I leave the gym go to the grocery store, pick up the juice. And I'm like squatting down to get the juice and I have a contraction. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, hold on. This is a little bit different than what I've been experiencing the last couple of weeks, but I, I'm not even going to get my hopes up. Then three minutes later, it happens. And then another three minutes, I said, okay. Within an hour, I had 10 of these contractions. I like just put them in my phone, my notes app. I'm having my 10-year-old daughter or 11-year-old daughter at the time. Yeah, she already turned 11. Write down these times for me. And then, so yeah, I went to labor right away that evening. And I think after that one hour is when I called my doula and she's okay, just drink some drink, eat, whatever you got to do. Go to the bathroom, just relax. I go to the bathroom, my water breaks. And so I was like, Taylor, my daughter, her face, because she's following me around this whole time. She is so intrigued by what's going on. I think she's a little bit afraid, but she also wants to really help me in whatever way she can. So she's in this weird state of mind. And she sees my face and I get so happy. She's that was the weirdest look. Like you were happy that your water broke. I'm like, yes, I have been waiting for this whole time. And I was like, it started finally. Yes. Okay. It was just like almost another affirmation of like, okay, you did the right thing. As scary as it was like, but your body is doing this. 
your water's breaking and not all women's water breaks. And that just happens to be what my, how my body goes into labor. Sorry, sorry, labor anyway. And then things progressed quite quickly. I called my midwife right away and she says, you don't have to come to the hospital. Just take it easy. Again, you'll know when you need to come in, but things might progress. So just be mindful of that. I'm doing dishes, getting the last minute things cleaned up. This time flies by. I take a shower. I'm like holding onto the curtain rod and just like squatting down into the contractions just like doing my breathing doing all the things that you've taught me and and then I start shaking so bad like my legs were shaking uncontrollably I'm like honey I'm shaking I think when you go to the hospital I think I'm in transition he's no I think you're just hungry because <laughs> 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 I did have to fast for a few hours it sounds like to, denial to take I know, take the midwife's brew. And I was like, no, I just had almond butter, a protein shake, and a banana. That's at least 400 calories, which isn't a lot, but it's enough to make me not shake if I'm truly hungry. And I was like, no, we got to go. And we got, we left. We had dropped my daughter well, off. Wait, go back a little because okay. I remember you telling us that because we've talked about before that this is what this looks like and this is what that looks like. And I remember you recognized something significant was happening even though you didn't feel like it should be happening do you know what I'm talking about like the shaking yeah yes that's what that's I was like I think I'm in transition and I had and there are many different like symptoms of transition I didn't experience them all but this definitely was one that I experienced and if I had not taken the course I may have had the baby in the bathroom (laughs) on the way to the hospital I don't know because I was like, I was like, no, this. You would have been have like, to I to told you, I'm not hungry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, when Mama knows, and like you do, like we know our bodies better than anyone, and if we could just appreciate that, like I always say, like you have to combine the knowledge with intuition. Get the knowledge, but ultimately, you use that knowledge for your power. If now I know that this is part of transition, and I know that I'm experiencing this because I'm feeling this in my body, and I know I'm not hungry. I don't care what you say, honey, because. Usually, I don't know, he is often right about things, but I was just like, no, we got to go. We got to go. I'm in transition. (laughs) And I was, because when I got to the hospital, I was nine centimeters dilated. Didn't you guys drop Taylor off at your sister? Yes. Yes, we dropped her off. And I'm holding on to that oh shit bar in the, on the handle in the car. My sister's going to give me a hug. I'm like, hold on. She's just breathe. And she goes, hum. <laughs> and then she sends me a bunch of affirmations. She has to be, she's going to become a doula. Yeah. I know but I was just like, okay. And it was just like Taylor. Oh my, I think about Taylor in the car and I'm, I am moaning. I am letting it all out because my first birth where I feel I was responsible and I didn't do right was I could handle the pain, but I wasn't really using the pain as purpose or progress. I was just trying to hold it in yeah. like I can handle the rather than open up. So this time around, I like really allowed my body to open up, visualize this even way before I, I actually delivered. It was like weeks before my mental prep was imagining a lotus flower. And that was me opening up to let the baby come out. I love that. And so moaned, I let it out. I wasn't like weirdly screaming, which I mean, I guess that doesn't, it's to each their own how they want to do it. But I just, I didn't care. I didn't care who was around. I got to the hospital. They're asking me questions. I'm just letting it out. I'm just like, you're going to have to wait. But then I'm cutting up and I'm having, making jokes in between my contractions, walking up down that mile to get to our room and stuff. But I love that. And it's so funny that you say that because I've watched witness hundreds and hundreds of births. And I have seen so many women, you can tell that they're trying not to what they perceive as look weird or sound weird. And I say, open up to your primal self, like whatever your body needs, flow into it, lean into the pain, lean into the moan, lean into the yell. If you're swearing like a sailor, who cares what happens in your labor room and in your birth is going to stay there. That is, do not apologize. Don't like, don't hold back because when we hold back, we can slow down the progress of what's happening because that all leans into fear and negative thoughts and negative thinking and whatever it is, you need to do it, lean into it. And I love- And that, and that relates into physical tension. So you will physically be holding the baby in and being tense. Yeah. So I love that. So you get to the hospital. Did they put you in triage? What did they do with you? They did. We had to. And she, my midwife looks at me. She's like, I know, but we got to go here first. And I go in there. I'm like, 
if I'm not very close, I don't even know. Like, yeah. it was like just so bizarre. And she's, we have to, she actually let me use the bathroom at first. She's, cause they thought I was going to have the baby on the toilet. And I didn't know if I was too, cause I didn't know how close I was. I didn't feel like a strong urge. Like I need to push this baby out, but I could feel like the baby's coming down. And I was just moaning and letting it out. And she was, I remember like being on the toilet and she's like, with the baby, because I don't know. And I'm like, I'm like I don't know. I'm like, like screaming, but also I don't know. It was just not screaming. I don't know. It's just really weird what happened. Or I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she is. And they put the pads down on the floor. We might deliver this baby on the bathroom, but I, but they didn't. And so I, I did hop on their table and I was saying, this feels so good. That was something else I openly said because I just had to, I just had to believe that in my mind. And they were like, I've never heard anyone say that. Mine never matter, right? I'm just going to say it. I'm training my body. This feels good because it is good. I'm getting a baby at the end of this. So I hopped up on there and she's, oh, yep, nine centimeters. Take her to room four. And this is where I really started feeling different about this experience versus the last experience because I was pretty far in when my first one, seven centimeters, 90% of face, we're going to have this baby. I was definitely further along and I was even at a further station. I think I was at station one or two. And I was at a plus two when I got there. And this is when they carted me, put me on the bed and rolled me into my delivery room. And that's where I really felt weird. Oh, wow. I'm sh taken, wheeled away, but not to the OR, to my delivery room. It was like the first kind of thing. I was like, wow, I'm in like real labor. This baby's really about to come. And that was a really weird experience. I love that. I'm sure it was such a healing experience. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like I think the one that was the most healing it's like a vividly picture, like getting after, so we're jumping way forward to where I delivered this baby two hours later and I get off the table an hour after we did the, we did have my golden hour and I get off the table, I'm completely naked and I walk to the bathroom. Like what? I don't even remember when I was able to walk after having my C-section, but I just had this baby and now I'm going to go walk to the bathroom. Wow. That was something where I was like, yeah, Wow. Wow. And I went to feel my the weird thing too. I went to feel my C-section scar or, Oh, be careful. No, there's not. No, that's, <laughs> there's nothing there now. Yeah. That's, that's, crazy. that's so good. So I remember when you shared your story, but I can't for the life of me remember, but I have so many of you guys tell me that you heard me in your head, but I can't remember what it was you kept hearing or you heard. So yes. So we, so I got there with ninth centimeters. They wheeled me off. And they knew I didn't want checks. They respected my birth plan so much, almost more than I was. Because at that point, I was just, all I was focused on is just getting this baby down and out. Everything else just didn't matter. And I wasn't even there long enough to labor to where those wishes really mattered anyway. And I did have my jewel and I had my husband, thank goodness, they're there to support me. But I wasn't, they expect, I guess they expected the baby to come out in two two pushes or something. And, it, and she didn't. And so my doula's like, let's go to the bathroom. Let's just change the thing. Let's get her in a different position. Just maybe she needs to pee. And I'm in the bathroom. And I forgot to mention, I had this horrendous hip pain in my right hip. Both Every time I had a contraction, I would feel it going down my legs. But especially in my right hip, it was like the worst pain that I had to angle it just at the right point for it not to be excruciating to where I thought, oh my God, I am not going to the OR because of this hip pain. And that's when you came into my mind. This is that point where I keep changing my mindset. I was thinking like you're said that's going to be numerous times during your birth that you're going to have to change your mindset. And that was like one of the first ones where I didn't openly think or say, or really feel like I have, to, I'm going to have a C-section, but it crossed my mind. Like this hip pain, this is what's going to take me to the OR because it hurts so bad that I can't even get into the position to birth the baby. And, but, but it didn't happen. I just was like, nope, not going to the OR because of that. We just moved around, kept breathing and we eventually found the right positions. I listened to my body. I've recently found out that my pelvis as a whole is tilted a bit. And so when I was in labor, which is why it was really important for me to go unmedicated because I wanted to have control over my positioning. I wanted to go with what my body was telling me versus what someone else was want to try to get me into because I did all the things and it we were actually a beautiful team like they were looking at what I was doing and then they're making suggestions and adaptations based on what I was doing to really help me get the baby out but I was like arching my back and she's I've never seen anyone do labor so active like you were just like so active but I had to because now I know that my hips were 
just in a weird position. And I've got chiropractic work and the whole time during my pregnancy, but which means like it could have been way worse looking back, but I was just able to like, let my body do its thing. And there were points where like, I didn't feel anything. And I was like, this is the most bizarre experience of my life. It was like the hardest workout I've ever had and the biggest poop of my life. Like Perfect description. <laughs> Absolutely perfect description. I love it. it. I love it so much. So one last yeah. thing before we end this, tell me the, to me, the moment you pushed her out and they put her up on you. Oh my gosh. So I knew I was so close. I was like, I could feel her. They let me touch her like, Hey, touch her head. And I could touch her head. She was down. I was like, Oh my gosh. And I just pushed with all my might. And like, literally she just like pops out. And it was like the biggest relief. That's why I say it was like the biggest poop of my life. Cause it was like such a relief to have her head out. And I thought, Oh, the next contraction, you're going to push the rest of her body out. But nope. My body was like, contraction right after the next and push her whole body out basically at once where like my midwife literally when they say they got to catch the baby they do they did catch that little slippery thing and it was amazing and I remember her just it seemed like it was like had taken hours but it was so quick because I could watch the video now and see that she handed the baby right to me and it was like this incredible moment where I held her to my chest and I was like I did it I did it I was like crying I was thinking everyone in the room I could cry about it like thinking about it now because it was just like, wow, I can do this. I don't care what anyone said. The hospital. And I was like, I want to go around and we just say F you to everyone at the hospital. It was like. That told you you couldn't do, do it. Yeah. No. And she was eight one. She was actually two ounces heavier than my other daughter. And it was like, so I birthed a bigger baby than what I, they seemed I couldn't. And, and it was just, the, it was just the best thing ever. And I just got to hold her. And I just was like. Yeah, all I could think about it, I did it. And I thanked her because I'm like, you got down there for mommy and we worked together. And I went through every single person in my room and thanked them for like their individual part, which is something that I actually visualized doing when I would just get into these trances and visualizing like my birth experience and how I wanted it to go. And it like was, it was just so special. It was so awesome. Oh, I love it so much. And I could cry with you because I want it yeah. so badly for all of you guys. And I cry with you guys when you get it. And I cry with my girls who end up having a repeat cesarean as well. But I love it so much. Thank you so much for coming today, Rebecca, and sharing with us and we're just so proud of you. And we're so thankful that you joined us and that we get to be a part of your journey. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for creating the course and being there every week and supporting me along the way because I really don't know if I could have done it without you. I, it was such a pivotal part of my journey of getting the education and the support. Like it's, it's a combination of those two that I'm really thankful for. So uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed this birth story that we just shared with Rebecca, one of my powerful VBAC Lab students and also our brand new perinatal health and life coach inside of Calm Mama Society membership. If you want more information, make sure you click the link in the show notes. And as always, if you haven't hit subscribe, hit subscribe and leave us a review and tell us how much you love listening to birth stories and being empowered inside of your pregnancy and your motherhood journey. Bye for now.